Thanks for joining us on this week's Real Life Church podcast. We'd love to know if God is using this ministry to bless you in some way. And if you'd like to share your story or know more about getting involved at Real Life Church, you can visit us on our website at livereallife.com today. He's so good. Come on, man. Give him a good hand clap. We're so glad that you're with us this morning. Um, and uh, I thought, you know, I got to preview that just because if I get up here, I may not be able to get up here if I've seen all that beforehand. And so, um, kids, if you're fourth and fifth grade, you can be dismissed if you're going to class. But uh, I just want to say a big thank you to um, our team, our staff. They've done a great job. Uh, give Sarah Horn a big hand clap. She put that video together. She did a great job. Her and Teddy put these up. And uh, just our whole staff has done a tremendous job. Um, but I think over the last 10 years, um, the thing that stands out to me the most is obviously people's lives being changed, but there's no way that I would have been able to step out. We would have been able to step out without my family. And so we give my wife, my kids a big hand clap this morning. You know, I was, I was telling my daughter yesterday, but she can't be here today because she's a third shift nurse at Miami Valley. And uh, she's watching this morning. Uh, Madison, we love you. Come on, give a special shout out to Madison this morning. Um, and uh, I was talking to her a little bit yesterday, and I just, I just thought to myself, you know, the, the reward of your life is your life being changed is awesome. But the fact that we planted a church and my kids love Jesus, they love the lost and they love church, uh, is more important to me. Because I know a lot of guys that can't say that ministry was first, family wasn't. And thank you, uh, Real Life Church, for allowing me to minister to my family before I minister to you. And because of that, my kids and my family's life is different because of it. And so I honor you, you this morning. Thank you. Listen, thank you for all of you that serve, have given um, over the last 10 years. Uh, man, there's been so many hands that has touched and served around here as a church. And I want you to know that I really believe the best is yet to come. I believe it. I believe it in my heart. It's not just a slogan for me. This is something the Lord has placed in my heart for, the, for this year is that this is the year that the best is yet to come. And uh, excuse me. And um, you, none, nobody even laughed because you guys are like, this is a normal Sunday. What's up with that, you know? Um, and so uh, I, will, I do want to thank those. There, there are those in the room that were a part of the original crew that, that said yes, like 10 and a half years ago, to meet in a house. And uh, back then we had a little kid. They were little. I remember little Travis Verkamp. I mean, he was just a little bundle of joy on the ground. Excuse me. He's just a little bundle of joy on the ground. And uh, little Avery, she would go around with a little shopping cart. And little kids were just small. You know, I'd be talking, and all of a sudden, right through my legs, there went a child. You know, it was just—it it felt like chaos, but to me, it felt like family and community. And so. Uh, if you're in the room and you, and you were a part of that original team, will you stand up for me, please? If you're in the room, if you guys are here, Zach's family, anybody that was in the house that was a part of the room. Ben. 
Oh, shoot. Thank you guys so much. You could be seen. Ben and Lauren, you guys suck. I didn't know you were coming. I didn't know you were coming. Oh, my gosh. And, uh, man, so anyway, I'm so thankful for everyone's sacrifice. And uh, I'm ready. You guys ready? Come on, man. I believe the best is yet to come. And so we're in the middle of a series today, and we're going to continue our series on part two, The Best is Yet to Come. And uh, today I've entitled this, last week was God is Still Powerful, and this week we're going to talk about God is Still Moving. I thought it was a very appropriate message for our anniversary weekend, is that God is still moving. How many would agree with me today, God's still on the move? Even when the culture tells us He's not. God's on the move. And I really feel like today that I just want to share some, some thoughts with you of what do you do, and, I, and I've kind of put it this way, is when you know God is moving, but he feels like he's missing, what do you do? You know, it's like you have this knowing that God is moving, but at the same time you have this feeling that he's missing, like it, it, it goes hand in hand. In Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, it says this, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that, show, that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. That word literally means marked out. That God has a marked out race for us. That we do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. There is a marked race for each and every one of us. There is a marked race for our church. There is a marked race for us as individuals that God has set before us. That you know you're not supposed to just be in this earth to sit on the sidelines. You're supposed to be in this earth to get in the game. God called us all to get into the game, and we have a marked uh, destiny. There is a start, and there is a finish. And he says in between all of that, between the start and the finish, there's going to be a lot of moments. And there's going to be moments where it doesn't feel like God's moving. There's going to be a lot of moments where it doesn't feel like God is there. There's going to be a lot of moments in our life. You know, I, I love this. Is, is, it, there's a quote that says, it's, it, people say, it's not how you start, but how you finish. How many have ever heard that before? It's not how you start, it's how you finish. Well, I, I understand that statement, but I like to say it like this. It's not how you start, but how you navigate the middle that would determine if you finish well or not. So it's not just how you start and how you finish, it's what you do in the middle that matters. How do you handle the middle? And I really believe the middle is the time where questioning happens. The middle is the time where there's, there's different um, um, uh, moments of feelings and emotion that take place in our life where we wonder, God, are you moving? Have you ever been there where it's like, God, I've been praying for this thing for years. Are you here? God, I've been praying for this thing, and I've been praying for this person. I've been praying for this community. Are you here? And, and sometimes Sometimes you don't feel it. Sometimes you don't see it. But I want to encourage you today that God is moving. The middle can be a messy place. From the time we start to the time we finish can be a messy place. I fly. I've flown a lot last year, and I'm not a middle seat guy, just so you guys know. Like, I need, I need aisle seat. Come on, somebody. Like, I need to be able to stick my leg way out there. 
uh, I'm not a, I'm not a, high, a middle seat guy. Because you just never know what you're, you never know what you're going to get on the right and the left of you. Man, I never forget. I was riding in an airplane this past year, and I was just a two seater on one side and a three seat on the other. And uh, you know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a very, um, uh, I'm, I'm a husky kind of guy. And so I get in and I sit down, and then I see this guy coming, more husky than me. And he's coming, and in the name of Jesus, I'm going, in the name of Jesus, God, please don't let this man sit next to me. Oh, God, because this is going to be a long hour flight. And so, by God, he gets right up to me, and he says, uh, I'm sitting right there. I thought, oh, my Jesus, he's bigger than I am. And he sat next to me in the flight, and like I had to, like his shoulder was all up in the kidney area, all back up in here. My arm was all up, and I was trying to function. And, you know, you get in weird positions. You start cramping in places, you know. But the middle's a funky place. You know, I know we're fasting, but I love a good donut. Come on, somebody. Don't you love a good donut? I love a donut where you, you grab that donut and you take a bite out of that donut and all of a sudden this cream starts to stream from the middle. Come on, I can preach this morning on a donut. On a donut! It comes streaming right out of there. You know, it's messy in the middle. Then you get it all over yourself. Then you, come on, somebody. You don't use napkins on donut cream. And so it's messy in the middle. But it's also messy from diagnosis to healing. It's, it's also messy from dream to fulfillment. It's also messy from pain to healing. It can also be messy from single to married. Some of you are like, wait, <laughs> I'm married. It's messy when you're married. Amen. It just keeps going. Come on. <laughs> but the middle can be messy. And the middle is the place where we feel like sometimes God is not moving. In between a promise, Isaiah 43, 19, as Raya said, was the passage that we started the church on. This was the, this, this was the passage the Lord gave me. I know it's cliche to a lot, but this came after 40 days of fasting before we started the church. I spent 40 days fasting, and, and the Lord showed me in Isaiah 43, 19, that behold, I'll do a new thing. It shall spring forth. This shall spring forth from Springboro. It didn't say it was going to be contained in Springboro. It said it'd spring forth from here. And behold, I'll do a new thing, and it shall spring forth. There'll be rivers in the desert. And he said, I'll cause a flood to happen. And all of a sudden, this thing on the inside, that's the promise. Well, between now and 10 years, there's been a lot of moments where I'm like, God, where's Isaiah 43, 19? I won't ever forget it. Mother's Day. I was preaching on Mother's Day, and everybody tells you Mother's Day is the day that everybody comes to church. You know, mama brings their children, everything. Wasn't the case at our church. Everybody was picnicking or something. I won't ever forget it. I was amped up. I was like, Mother's Day, we're giving stuff away and spas, you know, we're giving massages and, and, and toenail doings and manicures and pedicures and all this stuff on Mother's Day, and I'm fired up, and, and, and it was like crickets. It was early on, I gave, but I was like, okay, all right, okay, here we go. God, you're moving. You're doing something. But between the promise and the fulfillment— and 10 years later, and we're still going, but the promise between now and, and today, but even today and moving forward, we're not stepping from the start to the finish. We're actually beginning again, getting ready to go into a middle season. Come on, somebody. That this is a starting over day. 
This isn't a, just a continuation day. This is a new beginning day. This is a day that God's turning the page on our church. This is a day that, that, that God is, that, that God is, we're going to recognize in our own personal lives and in our church where God is moving by his spirit. When times where it doesn't feel like he's moving, we can go back to what he said and we can trust that he said, by his stripes, I am healed. We can trust that he said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. We can trust that he says, greater is he that's in me than he that's in this world. All in the middle is where that comes out of. The middle can be messy, but in the middle we must understand we're in the middle and it's messy, but we're marked. Come on, somebody. We might be in the middle of the beginning to the end, but it might be messy and it might be questioning, it might be wondering, God, what are you doing? But we're marked. Hebrews tells us that we, we are marked for a race, that we cannot forfeit the race that God has marked out for our lives. You know, there's a, there's a whole uh, thought pattern. How many ever heard, the word, ha, heard this phrase, seeing is believing? How many ever heard that, that phrase? Seeing is believing. Well, here's what that means. You need to see something before you can accept that it really exists. Seeing is believing. You need to see something before you can accept that it really exists, or, or it means you need evidence to prove the existence of something true. Can I tell you this, that believing before seeing is faith, not seeing before believing is faith. Believing before seeing is faith. I don't need, I don't need, I don't need a bunch of evidence in front of me that tells me that God is moving. I just need a word. I just need a word from him that tells me that he'll never leave me nor forsake me, that he's working in the middle of the circumstance, and he is declaring over you, the best is yet to come. I love this quote, faith is meant to be more than a formality. Faith is meant to be more than a feeling. Faith is meant to be more than a formula. If you can reduce it to a formula and make sense of it, it ain't faith. If you can't explain it, if you can explain it, it ain't faith. You don't need faith for what you can explain. You need faith for what your eyes can't perceive. You need faith for what you don't understand. And in the middle, when God is moving between the start and the finish, that we need faith to believe that God is moving. The middle, it can be a discouraging place. It's a place where a lot of times we question God, are you moving? I can't see you doing things. You know, the children of Israel had that instance. God had given them a marked out race. He had given them a promise. They, they, and he had told them, listen, I want you to cross over the Red Sea, and as you cross over the Red Sea, your inheritance, as you keep going, your inheritance. I'm going to read Deuteronomy 11:31. It's not on the screen. You can jot it down. I threw this in uh, 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 this morning. For you are about to cross the Jordan River to take over the land the Lord your God has given you. He told them, go in and possess the land. But they had to cross the Jordan first. Here's the point. He says, when you take that land and are living in it, you must be careful to obey all the decrees and regulations I'm giving you. There is an inheritance on the other side of the Jordan. There is an inheritance on the other side. It was over Jordan where God would choose a place to set up his tabernacle. God would set up his place of worship. But what we have to understand about the life of Israel, which is similar to our lives, is they had a Red Sea experience first. They went from the Red Sea over onto a dry ground. 
They're being chased by Pharaoh's army. And, 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 and as, we're, as we leave Egypt and we go into Canaan, the Red Sea crossing is a picture of our conversion where, where we move from, from salvation, from light to dark, or from darkness to light, from sin to saved, from bondage to freedom. And we move out of that, and that Red Sea experience, it's a type of our conversion. But between, between this place and Jordan, there's a place in the middle. And this place in the middle in history, it's called the Gilead and Jazar. It borders Jordan, and it was literally the, 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 the Jordan, the land of, 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 of a fullness and fulfillment. But this place between the crossing of the Red Sea and their inheritance was a place called Gilead-Jazar, and it was the middle place. And people at this place, this is where they begin to complain about Moses as their leader. This was the place where they said, whew, it's way better back in Egypt. We got to get back to that place. It's the place where they looked backwards. See, the, the middle ground for them is really, it's a place of half surrender. It was a place that, that was totally defenseless, that the enemies could come in and attack them and take over. It, it was a place where, where the enemy could, could destroy. It, was a, it literally represents a falling short of God between here and, and, and in the middle and to the end of getting to the Jordan. But listen, the miracle or the middle is a place of settling. Between crossing over the Red Sea and getting to the inheritance in the Jordan, the middle is the place of settling. And I wonder how many of us, because we can't feel God moving, or we don't know that God is moving, had settled in a middle place. We've decided to hunker down and say, you know what, I'm just going to live here and I'm going to be okay with it. Uh, God saved me. I got my fire insurance, so I'm not going to hell, but I am going to heaven so I can just live in this place and I can be comfortable. I can settle in. But you have to understand something, that from here to there is a Jordan experience. And when you cross over the Jordan, on the other side is the land that he told us to take. So my question to you, to, to you this morning is, what do you do with the middle? What do you do with the messy? What do you do when it feels like, oh God, I know, I know I'm marked. I know I have a destiny. I know I have a purpose, but I feel like you're missing. I, I love this passage in uh, Numbers 32, 19. It's not there either. I added this. We'll not receive any inheritance with them on the other side of the Jordan. Listen, because our inheritance has come to us on the east side of the Jordan. Here's what this means is they died in the middle. In other words, they forfeited their destiny. They came out of Egyptian bondage. There were some people that decided to stay in the middle. They had had enough. They had went through persecution and bondage and they were in this place and they couldn't see what God was doing. They had no vision for their life. And so they settled and they forfeited the destiny that was marked out for them. Instead of going to the Jordan River and allowing God to do another supernatural thing, they stayed here. <laughs> and they stayed in this place and they were stuck. But God said, there is a Jordan that's coming that you're well able to take the land. And Joshua, all I need you to do is put your foot in the water and everybody else will follow. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to follow the ark, which is the presence of God. And then Joshua, I want you to put your foot in the water. And when you put your foot in the water, the, the, the waters will roll back. 
And all of a sudden, the Bible says that the ark went first, and the whole, all these people that were willing to go into this next season of life, into this next season of adventure, that the people that were stuck in the middle stayed there, and they ended up forfeiting their destiny. The, but the people that were willing to step into something impossible, something that they knew was marked out, something they knew that was bigger than themselves, were the people that we're going to see the Jordan roll back, that we're going to see the inheritance claim, that we're going to see the giants taken down, that was going to see Jericho won. These would be, this would be the group that would pass into the promised land and receive their inheritance. And I'm here to tell you today, Real Life Church, we've had 10 years, and we've come from this place to this place, and we're in this place, but there's a Jordan coming. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to die in the middle. I'm going to put my foot in the water. Come on, who's with me? We're going to put our foot in the water, and we're going to receive the inheritance. And you know what the inheritance is? Oh, it ain't Hummers and BMWs and nice houses and vacations to Cancun. You know what it is? It's people's lives that were broken, busted, and disgusted, being snatched out of hell and brought into heaven. Come on, somebody. That's our inheritance. In Psalm 2, the Bible tells us, he says, if you pray, I'll give you the nations for your inheritance. And you know what I'm praying this year? That God would give us the nations, the ethnos, the people groups of the world, that we could cross over impossible situations by the hand and the power of the Holy Spirit. And when we get on the other side, we're going to rescue people out of a tormented devil's hand, and God is going to bring about a great harvest as we step in that direction. Come on, somebody. <clears throat> Praise God. Whether you find yourself in the middle, you choose to live by faith, I want you to understand that when you choose to live by faith and you choose to take a step in the direction that God has for your life, there's going to be moments where you get discouraged. There's going to be moments where you feel like, man, we've lost. We're not going to win. This thing's overwhelming. I heard this story. There was a guy, he was driving home from work one day, and he stopped to watch a lo local uh, Little League baseball game. And that was being played at this little park near his home. And as he sat down behind the bench on the first baseline, he asked one of the little boys, he says, what the score was. And the little boy looked at him and says, we're behind 14 to nothing. We're getting our tails kicked. And he, he answered with a smile. He said, really? He said, that's a big margin. He said, I have to say, you don't look very discouraged. And the little boy looked at him and said, discouraged? What do I got to be discouraged about? He was puzzled at this man's question. Well, you don't look discouraged. He was puzzled on his face. And he said, why should I be discouraged? We haven't been up to bat yet. Come on, somebody. <laughs> hey, you might be down 14 to nothing, but baby, there's another time at the plate. That's what we need. That's, that's where we're at. When God is moving, we must move into that place that says, listen, I have every right in the world to be discouraged. I can't see what you're doing. I don't know what you're doing. There's times I wonder what you're doing, but I have no right to be discouraged because he's the king of kings and he's the lords of lords and he is moving. He's in my heart and he's moving us down the road. So Genesis, Genesis 37, and I'm going to close with a couple thoughts of how we, how do we navigate how do we, how do we, how do we, when we know God is moving, but he feels like he's missing, what do we do in a, what I'll call our meantime moments? 
What do we do with our meantime moments? There was a guy in the, in the Bible named, in Genesis 37. His name was Joseph. And Joseph, Bible says in verse 5 and 7, says, Joseph had a dream. And when he told it to his brothers, they hate him all the more. Be careful who you tell your inner secrets to. Amen. That's a whole nother lesson. He said to them, listen to this dream I had. We were binding sheaves of grain out in the field when suddenly my sheaf rose against and stood upright while your sheaves gathered around mine and bowed down to it. Here comes that dreamer. They said to each other, come now, let's kill him and throw him into one of these Surstrands and say that a ferocious animal devoured him. Then we'll see what comes of his dreams. I thought about Joseph. I love Joseph. I know as a youth pastor, he was one of my main characters that I would teach on, helping young people have dreams for their lives. And when I think about Joseph, I think about the dream that God had given him, but I also think much more than just the dream. Listen to this. Listen to what this guy went through. He had a dream. He tells his brothers. His brothers say, we're going to kill you. They, they plot to kill this, kill him, because he had a dream. But it was interesting that, that between, listen, God had given Joseph a dream. But between Joseph's dream and the fulfillment of his dream, there was a whole list of stuff where Joseph had the opportunity to sense or to feel maybe God wasn't moving. Maybe that dream wasn't true. Maybe that wasn't really what God had said to me. But listen to what Joseph went to, uh, went through. He had a dream. He was mis mis misunderstood by his family. He was sold into slavery to Potiphar. He was living in a strange country far from home. He, he was given favor in Potiphar's house. He was falsely accused by Potiphar's wife. He was thrown into prison put in charge of all the prisoners. He was forgotten by the chief cupbearers. He remained in prison for two more years. This man went through some craziness in the middle. He went through some craziness between the beginning and the fulfillment of that promise. There was moments in Joseph's life where he felt like, God, are you really moving? God had elevated him to a place of influence at the end of his, at the end of his uh, when the dream became reality. But what did Joseph do in the middle? And here's some advice for us as a church, as we move forward, as we move into the thing God has for us, as we sense God is moving, as we sense he's moving, but at the same time, there's times where in the middle of it, you're like, uh, you can't feel him, or it feels like he's missing. Here's what we do. Number one, don't lose sight of first things first. When it comes to the fulfillment of a promise in your life, don't lose sight of first things first the kingdom of God. See, it doesn't matter. God, God gives us a promise that in Isaiah 43, 19, he was going to do something amazing in, our church, in this region. I don't think he's done yet. Only one other person believes it, but I believe it. I don't believe he's done yet. And I, I believe that, that the promise that God gave us and the fulfillment of that promise that there is stuff that happens in between. And so what is our posture? Our posture is this, don't lose sight of first things first. It has to remain about Jesus. It's not, it's, it, it's not, it cannot become about a facility. It can become about just what we do in the community. It can't just be about serving. You know what it has to stay about? Jesus. He said, the Bible says this, he says that seek first the kingdom above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. So our posture in between wondering, God, are you moving? And we get that sense of times where he's missing. 
What do we do? We seek first. We press in. He says, ask, seek, knock, and the door will be opened unto you. You keep pushing. You keep praying. You keep loving. You keep serving. Why? Because we don't lose sight of first things first. We seek first the kingdom of God. We seek first the kingdom of God. We know Jesus. We want to be like Jesus, and we want to represent Jesus in the earth. The second thing we have to do is focus during this time on what happens in you, not to you. Joseph had to realize that when he stepped out with his dream, there might be an attack. And I'm telling you right now, all the hordes of hell does not want us to step in this next season. But I tell you what, he's under our feet. No weapon formed against us will prosper. He's under our feet. Jesus told us he was under our feet. So what do we do? We don't focus on what's happening to us. We hope we were focusing on what's happening in us. What, listen, let me ask you this thought. What if the very thing you're trying to pray away is the very thing God is using to work something in you? Let me say it again. What if the very thing you're trying to pray away is the very thing God is using to work something in you? James says it this way, consider it pure joy. When is the last time you did that? When you're going through something and it doesn't feel like God is moving and God tells you, consider it pure joy. That word literally means to jump up and spin around like a top. Now, when's the last time in the middle of your crazy life that you in the middle of it just was like, you know what, God? This ain't about what's happening on the outside. This is what's happening on the inside. So you know what? I'm just going to jump up and I'm going to spin around like a top. I choose to walk in joy. This is what he said. He said, consider it pure joy. In other words, get happy with difficulty. Nobody signs up for this, folks. Nobody signs up for difficulty. Nobody signs up for it. But he tells us your posture must become joy. He says, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Listen, don't react to the to you moments as they have the potential to steal the in you moments. Don't react to the to you moments as Joseph could have. He could have fired back. He could have told, he could have told the whole thing. He could have said, this is nothing but a big plot. No, he allowed the Lord to walk him through the steps even when he didn't feel like God was moving. When he was in the prison, when he was put in jail, there was moments where he felt like God wasn't moving. What else do we do? Number three, is your response to offense determines your future. You're like, Pastor, what in the world has that got to do with anything? It's because the people that were in the middle were offended people. The people that stayed were people that were stuck in offense. You're like, what does offense have to do with anything? I believe offense is the number one thing that robs us of our destiny in God. Offense, when we get offended. See, Joseph could have got offended. We could get offended, not only at others, but we could get offended at God. God, you told me this is your promise. When are you going to do it? Well, you don't really love me then. And all of a sudden, we get offended with God. Did you, God, I don't think you really said that. I don't think you really said that. You know who you sound like? You sound like the devil. That's what the devil said in Genesis. He said, did God really say that you're not supposed to eat of the tree? No, there's something on the, listen, we, our response to offense determines, listen he, listen, he had a chance to get his brothers back. They didn't know who he was when they came up to get food during famine. He could have wiped them all out. 
He could have put them all in jail. He was the chief dog in charge at this moment. His brothers come in, and there they are. They're weary from a journey. They need food. They're ready to die. And the person that they plotted against is the person that has been given the authority to actually give them the resources to live again. And if Joseph would have been offended, his brothers would have never lived. I wonder how offense in our hearts hurts the people that we're supposed to reach. I wonder how it stops us from reaching the people and helping the people that we're supposed to help because we're offended. That's not really, that's not really something we think about. We live with offense in our hearts. Listen, resentment destroys the journey. Listen to Joseph's response. Genesis 50, 20. You intended to harm me. This is him talking to his brothers. But God intended it for good. In other words, the thing that he was facing with his brothers, he decided not to be offended. The word offense is, is, is the word scandalon. It's the bait of a trap. It's not the trap. It's the bait. It's the peanut butter before you kill the mouse. Come on, some. Before that, there's the peanut butter on there, and, and they come and they get the peanut butter, and all of a sudden, their neck, gone. There it is, right in the yard. There it is, right? It's the bait. It's not the trap itself. The bait leads to the trap. So the minute you take the bait of offense is the minute you are trapped. In our journey, in our relationship with God, we have to live in this place that says, you know what? The enemy has meant some things for harm for me, but God is turning it around for good. Two last things, and I'm closing. Is, is number four is don't lose sight in this next season of the value of people. When we go and we begin to do what God's called us to do in these next 10 years, and we start moving in this direction, listen, it's always going to stay about people. We can't forget the value of people. As I said in 2016 on the screen today, that in 2016, the thing that stood out to me the most from day one of our church was be faithful with the one family. What does that mean? Some guys would be like, well, that's not like multiplication, you know, like it's not huge. But if I'm faithful with one family, and faithful with another, faithful with another, then lives are changed. And it doesn't become this big, uh, just blob of stuff. It always stays as valuable to people, that we stay, that we don't lose sight of the value of people. I love this quote, when you're careless with other people, you bring ruin upon yourself. Philippians 2, 3, and 4 says this, do, not, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, rather in humility. Value others above yourself. That's why I love our serve team. That's what they're about. They're valuing others above themselves. If you're not on a team, starting points next week, jump into starting point, go to the website, sign up. It's a place for you to get involved and serve. Listen, why it's about us valuing you. We have cupcakes in this other room. We're on a fast, people, but we have cupcakes. And you're like, well, that's the devil. No, it's, <laughs> it's don't eat them if you don't want to. But I just value enough to give you a little 
chocolate fudge brownie. Come on, somebody. I value enough to have first impression people to smile when you come in the door. You ever been somewhere and they just... Do you see Spencer on there? He's always happy. That brother is always happy. He bought a snowsuit. Listen, this is how committed our group is. It was cold and we were at the junior high. This brother bought a snowsuit. It was like a sleeping bag with legs. And that brother wore that thing to greet you in as you came out of your warm car heading for the warm coffee. There's Spence. Welcome to Real Life Church, everybody. He said he was sweating the whole time in that thing. <laughs> the point is this, is we, wanna, we value you. Why do we work so hard in a portable setting? You guys realize this? I don't know if you've realized this or not, but we're 10 years as a portable church. Think about that just for a minute. The excellence factor of our people, the excellence factor of our serve team, those involved, those that are serving, those, those that give. Listen, what is it? It's about valuing people that we know that there's going to come somebody through the door that doesn't know Jesus. We ain't going to be sloppy. Why? Because excellence speaks. We're going we're to be ready. We're going to be smiling. We're going to be excited. The coffee's going to be hot. The tea's going to be—I'm not a tea guy, but drink it during the—it's weird on the fast. But anyway, you tea drinkers. Kimberly drinks tea, I think. But tea, tea people. But we're just ready for you, right? We, we, you know, these, this worship team, they practice. This is the only time they get together. Hey, come on, somebody. Can you imagine one day when we have a space for them to be able to practice on a Thursday what they're going to bring to the service? Come on, man. They're going to bring fire. <laughs> Why do we do what we do? Why are we making sure Rick and Debbie Young are not here? If you're watching, I love you. You're a key, intricate part of everything we do. They've been pulling trailers for almost 10 years. Give them a big hand clap. <laughs> now, listen, Rick, Rick comes in here and looks at these chairs. Our wonderful custodian set these chairs up. Rick, uh-uh, no, 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 no. It's off a sixteenth of an inch, Pastor. So he comes in behind him, and yeah, we're going to move them, and we're going to make them straight. Why? Because we value you. We value people that don't know Christ. And when they come in this room, and they come be part of our church, when we do small groups, and, and everything we do at our church, and we do outreach, we want them to know that we value them. We put others' interests before our own. And finally this, don't let resistance win. As we move from this place, I'm going to say it, from here to there, as we move from promise to fulfillment, as we're turning a page on our 10-year anniversary, that as we go into this next season, get this in your hearts. That when it feels like God is moving and there's opposition, then there's, there's, we've been living for two years with opposition. There's stuff going on all over the world. Don't focus on that stuff. Here's what you got to do, is you can't let resistance win. That there's going to be opposition, there's going to be resistance. But you know what? Resistance makes you stronger. Have you ever heard of resistance bands? I don't ever use them. <laughs> but I've heard they're pretty cool. And you just, you, you know, you, you, they're just bands and they resist, they create resistance and they break you down and they make you stronger. Any sort of resistance, if you're under a, a weight bench, that that resistance of that weight, yo, it hurts in the moment, 
But over time, it gets you stronger, and you get stronger through the pain. That's what resistance is created to do. Resistance isn't a bad thing, but don't let resistance win. Understand the perspective of resistance is not to paralyze you. The perspective of resistance is to grow you. Don't let resistance win. Ephesians 6, we don't wrestle against people, for we wrestle against flesh and blood, against the rulers and authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. So here's the point, and we're closing up, is why stick to it? Why stay in the marked race? Why when we don't feel like God is moving and maybe he's missing in our lives, why do we stick to it? Why do we keep Jesus first? Why do we value people? Why do we do these sorts of things as a part of our lives as individuals? Is this, Genesis 50 verse 20, I'm gonna read the rest of this, and this is why Joseph did not let resistance win. That's why he didn't die in prison. That's why why he he didn't give in to, to Potiphar's wife. Here's why, is listen to what it says. I never noticed this until, until a couple days ago. He says this, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done. Listen, the saving of many lives. Why don't we let resistance win? Because the resistance was created for us to get stronger But the end part is that the thing that says you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done. So the thing that we go through when it feels like God is not moving, it's not about us. It's about the saving of many lives. The reason Joseph had a dream was not because of Joseph. The reason Joseph had a dream was because Joseph that God was going to use Joseph. He was going to take him through a process, and there would be a point where he would be elevated to influence. Why? For the saving of, of lives. Why are we coming out of a Red Sea moment and in, getting ready to cross the Jordan? Why are we not staying stuck in the middle? For the saving of many lives. Why did we even start our church in the beginning? The saving of many lives. We would pray messy prayers, and we would pray, God, send us messy people. So you're welcome. (laughs) That it's for the saving of many lives. I will close the doors when it doesn't become and continue to remain about reaching people that do not know Jesus Christ. This is not a social holy club. Come on, somebody. This is about reaching people that are far from God. The dream is simple. We do what we do, and we know that God is moving, and we trust by faith that God is moving to the saving of many lives. So in this next season, how many are you with me that says we're going we're gonna to step up in this next season, and we're going to snatch more people out of hell than we've ever done in the last 10 years, and I'm not going to be fearful of people any longer. I'm going to step across the line and say, hey, baby, my church has got something that you need, and his name is Jesus. Come on, somebody. Or maybe you're going to a small group, and we got something you need. His name is Jesus. Come on, somebody, because it's about the saving of lives. So, I declare to you today, the best is yet to come. And reason two is because God is still moving. Let's close our eyes this morning as we close out our 10th anniversary.
Maybe you're in this place today and you say, Pastor, I came for an anniversary service. I came in this room as a guest today. Maybe you've walked away from God and maybe today you need to come home to God or maybe you've been kind of wondering, wandering out here in the wilderness, wondering what God wants to do in your life. Maybe you've questioned whether God is moving in your life today. Can I tell you that you might not see everything you're supposed to see right now, but we're to believe even when we don't see it happen. So this morning, maybe in this place you say, Pastor, I've never made Jesus the Lord of my life. Maybe you're watching online today and you say, Pastor, I've never made Jesus the Lord of my life. And today I wanna make him the Lord of my life. I wanna say yes to Christ. I want him to come in and revolutionize who I am. I wanna become a brand new creature. I wanna wanna have that Red Sea experience. I I wanna come out of Egypt in darkness and into his marvelous light. I wanna begin the journey with Jesus. Today you say, Pastor, that's me. I wanna begin that journey with Jesus. Or maybe you wanna come home today. Maybe you're a prodigal in the room and you've walked away from God and you're you're not in that place any longer where you once were. If that's you, do me a favor. Just slip up your hand. I wanna pray for you this morning. You say, Pastor, that's me. I need an encounter with God this morning. Maybe you're watching online today and that's you. I want you to do me a favor this morning. I want you to go ahead and put the word yes in the comments today. You say, Pastor, that's me. I need Jesus to be the Lord of my life today. Let's all pray together. Will you guys pray this with me? Believe it out of your heart. Say, Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your son Jesus to die on the cross for me, to raise from the dead for me. And today, I ask him to come into my heart, make me a new creature, old things pass away and all things become new. I receive you as Lord and Savior. Transform me into a brand new person. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, let's give the Lord a big hand clap for those that said yes to Christ this morning. Thanks again for listening to our podcast. Be sure to connect with us on social media, the RLC app, and online at livereallife.com.